Hi, welcome to Color Speak. I'm J.M. Huxley, Janet Huxley, and today I'm extra smiles because I'm looking out at one of my very favorite people in the world, my daughter Emily, who is here with me today. She is in Dallas, I'm in Kansas City, and we are drinking our tea together. And I told her we should do this more often in studio, and she reminded me, well, we could do it on Facebook, but it's different because with Facebook, FaceTime. you have to hold the phone. FaceTime. And here we're just, what? FaceTime, you said Facebook. Oh, I just, I did say Facebook. I meant FaceTime. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're so off to a mom start, aren't we? <laughs> uh, happy to entertain you today, Emily. Anyway, um, thanks for being here. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you here. Can Why don't you, you introduce me? yourself? I forgot to tell you, you were going to do this part. Just introduce yourself. Other than you're my daughter. I'm your daughter. I live in Dallas. I'm a florist. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could add a lot more. She's extremely talented on a number of levels, not the least of which is her artistic ability, which she's amazing. She is an amazing florist. She's an amazing Jesus lover. And she's just an all around brilliant person with um, multi facets. So there you go. The last time we did this, uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I just want to make sure. Last time we did this, I still lived in Kansas City. I know. And now you're far away. I'm like, only like seven and a half hours, but it's not that far. It's been okay because what are we averaging about seven visits a year or something? And I love yeah. Dallas. I, love some visits. I think I came to Kansas City like I moved last March and I went back like once. Like I think I've been back seven or eight times since I moved and you've been here. Yeah. I feel like I see you more now that I don't live there <laughs> than when I did. So... <laughs> That's maybe true. Yeah, you've been back a bunch of times and I've yeah. been down there quite a lot. So it's working out okay. Yeah, I won't be back though for a hot minute, unfortunately, though. Well, I will be. I'll be there in a few yeah. weeks again. Next, I'll see you next month. And then I guess, well, I guess the next time I'll be there will be April. But yeah. Anyway. Well, hey, so I, I wanted Emily to come on because she's always insightful. And so she always has so much to say. And I love her perspective on just holistic living. She is absolutely the expert. Everyone always says we have a lot of mutual friends and we're always laughing about Emily's perspective and she's not wrong, but it's always with a dose of humor. So she has the ability to entertain and inform all at once. And before we get to that, you know, the crunchiness of who Emily is, you know, she, she bakes her own sourdough bread, by the way, we didn't, we didn't say that. Do you still have your business? And can I say it, the name? Oh, yeah, but it's like not even a business. There's no like LLC or anything for it. I just literally sell bread to people like my coworkers or anybody that I know who wants it. Because it yeah. got to where people were asking me for bread all the time. And I was doing it and it wasn't an issue. But then Kelsey was like, you just need, we need to sell it because so many people are asking. And so I just, it's not even really a business. It's just like a side thing. Yeah, but yeah. let me just clarify that Kelsey is my oldest daughter, and Kelsey and Emily live together, and they are a riot together. They are polar opposites, so it's it's pretty hysterical to see Emily working her holistic living in opposition to Kelsey's. Well, let's just yeah. put it this way. Kelsey's coming around, and so they call the business. There. Yeah, she's getting there. Sourdough in the streets. Yeah. So. Yeah. And when I told everybody that here, they were just cracking up, Emily. They said, of course, of course, Emily would have a name like that for it. So yeah. at any rate, the other thing I wanted to just start out with today is I feel like every time I follow my favorite podcaster or um, not so much preachers, but that occasionally as well, or my favorite prophetic mm -hmm. voice. They're chiming in about the whole Mike Bickle situation and IHOP. And I just think it's appropriate to get your take on it, considering you were so close to the fire there. And why don't you explain your involvement with IHOP and, and all of that, what your take is maybe as we circle around yeah. to that. Um, 
Well, I think first I want to preface that like I still have a lot of friends that I really care for in that ministry. So I do want to be really careful with my words because I know that I have friends on both sides of the Mm -hmm. aisle now, which has been become really divided. And so I, what I would maybe freely share with some people, I'm not going to be as free on this platform just because I want to be really like considerate and hesitant of, of those emotions and caring for those people. But I was at IHOP, I think for four years, was it, it turned out to be, I was on staff for three and then I was also simultaneously in the Bible college. So I was fully immersed, I would say in the bubble, um, of, of that realm and actually became close with a lot of like the leaders that you see kind of on the front lines, um, of all of the stuff right now. So it's really weird for me. I was just talking about this with my friend, Sydney in Arizona. She was in the same circle. And it's just wild that all these people that I once knew personally, um, like from the advocate group and even in the leadership of the ELT at IHOP, like I knew them like personally, I was in their homes, you know, even though I, I'm not in contact with them anymore, at one point in time, it I was, and it's really wild to now be on the other end and seeing all of this unfold and knowing the people that they're talking about and knowing like the stories and, and still like, it's just wild. And then everyone else is watching unfold too. And so it's kind of crazy because then you see people like commenting on Facebook and YouTube and all these channels where all this stuff is being released and you like you hear people like slashing some names and slashing others and it's so wild to be like oh I know that person I know that person I've been in their home I've been like you know just all of those things you're like that's so wild but at the end of the day um I mean what happened is wrong period and I do think that there is accountability that needs to be held um, for the abuse that has taken place. I fully wholeheartedly believe the abuse has taken place. I stand firm on that side. And I, regardless of, you know, all the things happening, I do believe there needs to be accountability. And I do believe that there has been mishandlings of the situation and the severity of it. And I think that it's really disheartening and it really does a lot of damage to the church as a whole when situations like this are handled in the way that they're being handled. And I think it's a really, it's a really hard job, right? No one's prepared for it when it comes. Like I, I do think that the, it's, it would be an impossible job for the leadership, of course, to handle this. Like that's, that's really hard, but at the same time, like it's black and white, like wrong is wrong and right is right. And there shouldn't be I don't, I just don't feel like this is a a situation where there should be gray, right? Like this isn't just a gossipy, he said, she said church situation. This is a really extreme, like borderline, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's, and these things are taken really seriously in the real world outside of the church and it should be taken seriously in the church. And I just think it's causing a lot of damage. And I think that, I mean, yeah. And it, and it is hard to watch some of my friends' parents be disparaged online. Like there's, you know, a lot of, of just people coming out of the woodworks and being really, really mean. And that's, that's hard to watch as, as like, so oh my God, define that meanness. Dad, you know, huh? Right. Well, you define know, the meanness. I mean, what's not, going on? What, what are they taking? What are they taking issue with? Why are they being mean? Why are these people being angry? So I guess the area is nebulous to me. It's because mm-hmm. your friends' fathers are taking a stand for truth yeah. and people don't like that. Yeah, because they're removed from the leadership and they're no longer on staff there. People are saying that they shouldn't, essentially from what I'm gathering, they shouldn't have an opinion on the matter and that um, they basically should stay out of it. And they're saying, well, I gave... 20 plus years of dedication to this, like it needs to be called out. And, um, there's a whole couple YouTube videos that the advocate group put out, um, just kind of explaining everything from start to finish and the way that they, you know, went to Mike said, I want, let's talk about this. Let's come to some resolution. Um, Jane Doe's husband even went to him, which is the main woman who, you know, 
had all these things happen and occur to her and um, you know, all the like sexual abuse and manipulation essentially. And he basically just wouldn't, wouldn't hear him out, wouldn't do it. And these aren't people that, you know, you've only known for a couple of years. These, imagine someone you've walked with for 20 plus years and you're going, Hey, right. let's talk about this and resolve right. this and say, no, you don't well, have any jurisdiction to do so. Well, actually I do. I, I walked with you for 20 plus years. And even though I may not be in your ministry still, you know, like there's blood, sweat and tears there. And so, um, but on the other hand, now it's come to the point where, okay, you refuse to do Matthew 18, which Alan made a really great point in the YouTube video. Alan, hey. Yeah. He made a really good point, which I agreed with where he said, which, and my opinion is neither here than our, like, nor there. Like I was there for like literally a, a blip on the dot. Like the, it, it just no, but I, I disagree. Well, you were invested. You were invested. invested. You knew those people. I, and you worked with those people, right? Yeah, right. I just, I just don't have nearly as many years, nor like authority or anything on this subject. So this is just purely like my my opinion. Even though right. I was immersed in that culture, like I like it doesn't touch you know what what other people put into that time wise. Um, and but he made a good point where when it comes to sexual abuse, there is no Matthew eighteen. Like that's. That's you would never look at a rape survivor in in the world and say, why don't you go practice Matthew 18 with your rapist? Like, no. Explain that to people, though. Explain that to people who don't know that. The explain Matthew Matthew 18. Matthew 18 is if if you have a problem with that person rather than gossiping, go and talk to that person and work it out essentially in spark notes. And you know, that's what I think. The fact that Mike was afforded that is a huge grace given point. You know, I think that I do believe when it comes to sexual abuse, that's a whole different beast. That's not, yeah, go practice Matthew 18 and talk it out with the person who abused you. And I think the church manipulates that a lot of, oh, well, Matthew 18. No, I, I disagree. Matthew 18 is for, you know, the normal church sayers who day-to-day life, who you are, you know, fighting with someone and you're going to go gossip about it. Don't gossip about it. Just go talk to the person about it. Sexual abuse is a different nature. Sorry, my Right. And and unfortunately, and I want to, I want to get to um, practically, you know, Mm -hmm. what people like you and you, you've defined it as a blimp in time. Nevertheless, you were invested there. And for any length of time that you spent there and any love that you felt for the people in the congregation, the church at large, I feel entitles you to having a perspective. And I want to get back to what that looks like for you now and how you process through it, because I think that's going to be very helpful to people both in and outside of the church who are wondering, okay, so what next? And how do I gather with a group of people, whether it's with IHOP or elsewhere to get to know the Lord when when we know across the board, not just at IHOP, but there are so many exposures happening. The Lord's doing that. Um, Anyway, that's part of the discussion. I I guess I just... I want to clarify that. And I'm so glad you did because we've been through this before. Mm -hmm. And especially for you, my heart is tender for you because this is not the first time. I mean, you were kind of on the fringes the last time when we had this happen in our church, but it was a much smaller deal. It wasn't quite like what we're experiencing now. And it was based on hearsay. And there was definitely an appropriateness to what was written in Matthew in that case, because on the fringes we're taking it outside and, you know, just, and, and it was dicey and we're all still reeling from that. Um, There's so much, I mean, even just, I know I'm, this was resonating with so many people, but for even just in our own family, there's so much church hurt um, that it really is something that we have to process through and navigate. So, yeah. And I would um, say, Matthew 18, 100% is valid. I'm not invalidating that. I'm just saying proper legal channels need to take action in this, in these types of scenarios. That's all I'm saying, especially within the church. So that's what's basically being argued essentially. Um, But all that to say, my, I think it's at first when I heard the news and everything kind of started to unravel, it really didn't shake me because I'm so out of the bubble. You know, I'm in a different city. I'm, in a different, it just feels like a lifetime ago, but I think that the more stuff started to unravel, the more I kind of realized just how, how much I want to disentangle some of the theology I left believing. 
And mm-hmm. I would say my own personal experience, this is me personally speaking, I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. I'm so grateful for the friends I made and I'm so grateful for what that outcome was in my life. But I think that there was a lot of manipulation and a lot of fear mongering within that that church and congregation in general, and especially when it came to the end times. And I'm not a theologian. I don't know every single thing about the end times. And everyone is learning. Like we're all in the same boat with a lot of different things in terms of interpretation of that book. But I think for me, the biggest takeaway is, okay, like I no longer trust any of the, any of the, the theology around the end times and the fear mongering that was preached and that echoed throughout the whole ministry because you spent the last, Mike Bickle spent the last 25 plus years manipulating and abusing women. So how do you, it's one thing to have a slip up, right? Of sin, everyone sins, but to have a repetitive pattern and no repentance of it makes me question your theology in whole. Because if, if you're so tainted in your mind and you're acting in such a sin for such a long period of time, how was what you've preached been pure? That's where my mind is now at of I, and it doesn't mean there isn't validity in the prayer room. I love the prayer movement. I love the, like, I I don't question Jesus. I don't question the prayer movement. I don't question the validity of, of spending time with the Lord. Like none of that. I question, I, I'm just rewiring my brain in the sense of, okay, like what actually is the truth pertaining to the days ahead and how do I step out of the bubble that I kind of un- I unwillingly really gave myself into believing because I, but I went in with pure intentions of, oh my gosh, these are people who have studied scripture for 20 plus years. Like, and there is some, like you, you want to be respectful of that. Like there are men out there and women who have studied scripture way longer than I have. And I can, I can take information from that and learn from that. You don't, you know, need to then never trust a preacher again, but there is a sense of disentangling all of that. If that answers your question. Yeah, it does. And I'm glad to hear you say that because I have long felt, as you know, that, you know, being there with you and having an opportunity to take classes with you as parents were given the opportunity to do. And so I went to class with you at least on a couple of occasions But I spent a lot of time in that prayer room and I've always said to people, I don't care what you say about Mike Bickle and his sinful ways. The reality is Holy Spirit still showed up in that prayer room because there's so many other men and women that gave their lives to that. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, Mike isn't the only one who built it. Like to sit there and say, like, he's not, he he's not the only one that had his hand in there and put in blood, sweat and tears. Like he's 0.0001% because so many people came in and out of there. So many people serve on teams. Yes. So, like there is Whoever such a little you, to it still. Yeah. But you did say, and I, and I thought this was well put because you did say, you know, um, it, through I'm questioning the end times philosophies because of Mike Bickle, because though well, he was a, carry you had right. And the other thing is, he had written a lot of material on it. And yeah. I know I had some discernment. Well, as you know, we've we've got we've talked about this. My discernment yeah. on it way back. Well, I was uncomfortable. I remember you never well, here's the thing. You know what's so funny is I actually never met Mike. I never met Mike. I never interacted with him. I never even as so much shook his hand. Like all all the leaders that I knew, I actually still deeply care for and I really respect. Um to an extent. <laughs> Maybe not all, but there's, there's a lot. I still walk away from and I go, Oh no, that person is incredible and has fruit in their life. And I, I actually still like honor and respect them for, for their time and, and, and what they taught. So it's not, it's not like you don't throw the baby out the bathwater. I would actually say that the teachers that influenced me the most and that I glean the most information from are ones that I still actually highly, highly respect and are not involved in this scandal at all. And um, in the sense of the current ELT. And you also have to keep in mind, like, to, to move back a little bit. So, yes, Mike's voice and his overarching theme, it carried through. It Obviously, it trickled through all the way down, right? 
Like there's so many people that had their hands in the ministry building and laboring it, but obviously Mike's overarching. He was the overarching mm-hmm. voice and leader, yeah. of course. So of there course. are that there's that aspect. Um, but the prayer room and the church are very separate in a way. I don't think people realize that as much. The there are two separate locations. And even though it's all intermingled and intermixed, um, and if you're on staff at the prayer room, you're required to go to church there. But you can go to the prayer room every day and never go to the church and and really not be caught up in all of this. I think that for the common, you know, in and out person that goes to the prayer room, like you probably aren't caught up with it at all. It's if you're at the church and you're sitting in the, the messages and you're hearing, um, well, one, you're hearing all the theology and all the messaging and all the stuff. And then two, you're hearing the updates currently with what's going on. Well, yeah. And to clarify the church, you can, you can, well, and there are separate locations too. The prayer room is separate from the church, but I have to say, I I feel like I saw him there in the prayer room occasionally. Oh yeah. No, you still see all those. Yeah. I feel like you guys are often, well, and, and the other thing is um, my question to you would be, um, and I don't think I've heard anyone ask this, but to what degree would you think that some of these people who were leaders in the church had any inkling of what was going on? Because honestly, if you're, if this is a, a guy who may, maybe he covered his tracks, but, but, but by and large, he didn't, you know, when I hear and read some of the testimonies yeah. about his travel with young women and those kinds of things, it wasn't as if it was completely cloak and dagger. So there was some um, visibility. So my concern is how, what do you, and, it, and I know this is off, you know, it's, it's no, probably I, not. I, even, I laugh because but what degree do you think? Yeah. Well, wait a second. Let me finish. What degree do you think that some of these people who are now taking a stand and speaking out against it had any inclination? Now, I'm thinking by and large, they didn't. I mean, they were probably so flabbergasted that they absolutely felt the need to respond to that. And that's so appropriate. And, the, and I'm saying this in response to those naysayers who would say, no, they shouldn't have a voice and they have no business interjecting. But I would say, well, hold on. If somebody has been involved in a church for decades, that person is need, going to need to weigh in on that if, if for no other reason to exonerate himself or create distance from any knowledge that may have been known prior to the release of all of this exposure. See what I'm well, saying? So no, yeah, what, no, I how, do you think there was anybody at all who knew what was going on and there was any kind of cover up? So first off, I want to say for years at IHOP, they preached, if you're here, you receive the inheritance. Like even if you're here for six months and you pour in the prayer room, like you will, in the eyes of the Lord, you receive the, the inheritance of, of this house. And like, it's, you know, it's like that eternal rewards thing they would say all the time, which I, I agree with. Like anytime you are obedient to the Lord and, and you pour into something like, we don't even need to touch that spiritual theology, but they preach that like no one's business. Oh, you're, you, even if you're here six months, you receive the inheritance of this house. Like you receive the inheritance. And then now these people who have been there for 20 plus years and who are no longer there, no longer get a say. But I'm like, wait a second. You told us that if we were even here for a month and a half, we would receive the inheritance. So why can't I insert my opinion? It, you're so it's contradictory, right? But mm-hmm. on the on their hand, to answer your question, um, what's interesting is no, I don't think they knew. Um, and the YouTube videos of the Abbasi group, which are out there and people should watch, are really informative of the timeline of when they found out and when everything happened. Um, but I do remember being in the prayer room once and someone making a comment to me about they were like, oh, well, like it was, it was so slight and it was in passing. And, and there had been allegations and rumors of, I don't even not say allegations, rumors of Mike's conduct. I had heard about it and people had said, but don't worry. It's all rumors. There's no truth to it. We've, we, there's never been any truth uncovered in it. So it's nothing to worry about. And someone made a comment to me where like, they said something along the lines of like, well, like, things happen all the time in the prayer room side rooms. Like there's like really? hinting at, at things. And I just remember being like, okay, whatever. And didn't think about it. Cause there's the side, if you haven't been to the prayer room, there's the prayer room and there's side rooms where you close the door and it's soundproof. And mm-hmm. you, because you would meet with your, you would meet with, they would do prophecy or you would meet with your uh, like 
IHOP U ministry group in there. So it would be, you'd be in the prayer room, but you would have some sort of privacy. And there was maybe like 12 rooms or something. And um, so, yes, there was, there was like faint whispers, but no one that I ran in any circle with really thought there was any validity to them, nor did we talk about it. Um, But I mean, I was, like I said, like I never had any contact with Mike and I, I actually, there was another really, um, there was another story that surfaced after the Mike stuff surfaced and it was a, not even a leader. It was someone who was on staff who had had some previous misconduct with an underage woman. And I had heard about that and he was actually one of my like bosses um, in my I hop you work study. And at the time when I was there, I had thought, okay, that was like a adulterous thing that happened in someone's marriage long ago. Come to find out now that there was a full report done um, on this individual and the third party investigation told IHOP, hey, this person should not be working with minors. They should not be working with young women in any capacity. And that's where I will fully vocalize. I think IHOP was 100% in the wrong for letting that person be over one, young people and two, recruitment of IHOPU and working closely with ATC, which was the kids children's camp. And so I just think I'm like, oh, wow, there's so many <laughs> like. Why? Why do you well, think that happens? I know. But why do you think that happens, Emily? It's Is it just I it's a broken it's, world and it's in it's in every environment that we live in? I, mean, part of the church. Church. I think the church just goes, oh, well, grace, grace, you know, they're a new creation. And not that you can't be, you a hundred percent can, but like, maybe we work in the church and we just work with older people. Maybe we don't put them over, you know, young adults. I think it's hard because people would be like, oh yeah, grace, grace, but Jesus, but grace. And it's like, there is grace. There's a hundred percent grace, like, but there's also proper boundaries that need to be in play. And if you have a legal team coming to you saying, hey, don't put this person over young adults and you strategically place them over young adults, then that's an issue. And right. it's your responsibility is what it what, is. And it's like, so who do you care about more the man and his feelings and making sure grace is given to him or the young adults who come in naively and, you know, could be taken advantage of. Not that he ever did and nothing came forth that he ever did. I never had any issues. I never had anything weird or sketchy because that's what people, they would, be like, oh my gosh, now that all this is coming out, have you had anything weird or sketchy happen there? And I was like, actually, no, like I had a great experience. I never had anything weird or remotely sketchy happen, but I completely validate the people who did have things happen. And I completely like believe them because some people right. didn't even believe it when it came out. They sided with a man who they've really had little to no interaction with because he leads a ministry. So there's no way, shape and form he could ever do that. Well, Hate to spoil it for you. That's life. People are going to surprise you and they're going to not be who you thought they were. And when it comes Mm -hmm. out, you better go and pray and ask Lord for discernment on what's right and what's not right before forming opinions on a man that you don't even know, except for what he presents to you at the pulpit. I know that's like a really strong stance, but it's just, it's just truth. It's like where I stand of. Like any, any man at any time is susceptible to falling and susceptible to sin. So to think that a platform like isn't, you know, I mean, you don't want to walk up to a church and go, oh my gosh, that man could totally fall. He's capable of it. You don't want to have that perspective all the time within leadership, but to sit blindly and think that it's not possible is, is, is Naive. And I know the reason that you say this is because you've had some friends that have blindly supported Mike, Yeah. no matter the allegations. And of course, we've had other situations in our life where we've had this kind of thing. In fact, an, another church, it was a completely different situation in that the person was exonerated and there were it was all based on rumors. But at the end of the day, you and I are still always, we all should listen to the voices of those who have something to say because- mm-hmm it's not always a spiritual attack. And um, I have friends who work, you know, obviously in the business that um, protect those that have been harmed. 
um, through abuse, particularly sexually and particularly children. And studies show that I can't remember what the percentage of the time is, but usually when when someone has a story to tell like that, the chances that it's accurate and truthful are just preponderously yeah. um, accurate, you know. So, so it's just it's a dicey place. But I think that your your advice is the best because I always say this when it comes to even truth in outside of that, you know, as the Lord is exposing so much. It's not it's not that He's just exposing what's happening in our society politically. Um, in our churches, on our marriages, in other relationships across the board, the Lord is saying, okay, you know what? I am exposing everything. And so people that I follow, like a pastor by the name of Johnny Enlow down in the Nashville area has said for years, expect these kinds of things to happen because if he's house cleaning and he's exposing in these areas, don't think your church is off limits. And so when I think about even just the atrocities that have happened in other churches, Across the board, I mean, my goodness, you know, we heard first from the Catholic Church, 828 priests supposedly defrocked for molesting children and another 1,500 sanctioned for the same. I mean, the numbers are outrageous. So I think really what you spoke to is the solution lies in accountability and the recognition that Christ is not these people. We can't just not congregate with believers or declare that we're never going to be part of a church because we've experienced such hurt. For sure. And it's yeah. a personal thing for you and I, right? And I know for so many other people, probably most people it's a personal thing for. But the accountability is really where it starts. And it's, I think as we move forward into the days ahead, the first thing is understanding that we need to have those those things in place. Yeah. Like you said, we're not going to put somebody who has a history with people in this Which, situation. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and you can't, and sense to me, right? like, I think right. that I I get really fired up when it comes to the topic of of grace and boundaries because yeah. I think for yeah. so long I was told you're not a good Christian unless you show grace to the point where you're willing to just like take a beating again. And right. I would say I actually strongly disagree with that. Like Jesus came and what is it? He called the Pharisees brood of vipers. Like he mm-hmm. didn't play. Like he wasn't this like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, like like, let me just come and just not shake things up. I mean, at the end of the day, he did what his father called him to do, which was die on a cross. And so you need to go to the Lord and go, what am I called to do in this season? And am I called to be quiet or am I called to stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves? Am I called to like call things out? Because everyone's very different. And to think that your life, like our lives are supposed to model Jesus but it looks different in the sense of I'm not, I don't, I don't know what my life is going to entail entirely, but it may not mean dying physically on a cross. Like what I'm called to is different than what other people are called to. So to blanket statement that I need to just basically like, and I know the topic of like turn the other cheek and all of those things, which I actually heard a really great theological thought on that back in the day, because basically Quick story, when he said, turn the other cheek back in the day, you had a dirty hand and a clean hand. And so when Jesus was saying, turn the other cheek, it insinuated that that person wasn't going to use the other hand because it was a dirty hand. So he knew they're not going to slap you again. Like turn the other cheek, kind of like, it's like, they're not going to hit you again. And I think so many Christians interpret that as just take a beating all the time and grace, grace. And it actually like, yeah, it's a, it's a topic I could talk about because it, I think healthy boundaries in the church are needed. And that's why so many people don't go to church is because of situations like this and situations like the other ones we've been through, where it's just like, at some point you have to call a spade a spade and you have to turn over some tables. And I think a lot of Christians just don't like that. But yeah. And, you know, while we're on the topic of that, I mean, kind of leading into that, you know, when I told you earlier, I just felt like this topic today was restoration. Even when I was talking with your sister, Rachel, the other day about finding a church now that she and Ryan are expecting their first child and feeling like they want to be in a place that is connective um, and they've experienced Mm -hmm. church hurt and religiosity and they've experienced, um, let's just say things that they don't want in the future and how to find the right fit, you know, for their, because they want to raise their, their daughter in church and 
And so, you know, just talking about like, what does that look like for us? And I think for a long time we were sold. Okay. So across the board, we were all sold this narrative that we're now understanding doesn't look the way that it was. And you spoke about end times, that's part of it. But I'm also thinking about just the practicality of it. Mm -hmm. And for example, I think of for a long time, I was told, oh, don't, don't worry about all of these issues. You be the catalyst for change. Don't be a consumer. Don't enter the church with a consumer mindset. You're the one who's supposed to do the, the, the heavy lifting, basically. And so we did, you know, as a family, I, I mean, there was nothing we didn't do between us, whether it was, you know, participating in everything or making yep. meals or serving on boards or leading um, the children's portion of the worship at Christmas time, or even from, you know, you were in my young adults group. And I, I just felt kept feeling like, but I would love to be fed myself. And I was made to feel guilty because I wanted to be fed. I wanted more than a lackluster gospel. And I kept saying, it's a sin to preach a boring gospel, or it's a sin not to feel people welcome in church. And we've all been in churches where you enter and it's just so sad. I mean, it's pervasive sadness or clickism or backstabbing or whatever it is. And as members, we feel that. What are those people? How do we expect people off the street to come in when they don't know the right hymn or the right verbiage or the right, you know, part- participatory things. And then on top of it, we're told, but you can't have an opinion mm-hmm. when it comes to all of this, because you need to sit down and shut your mouth <laughs> and accept things the way they are. And I think we're in a new day and age where we're saying, you know what? Oh my gosh, it's okay to, to want to be fed. Yeah, It's, it's to participate yeah. and to change and to be a catalyst and do all of those things, but concurrently yeah. it's okay to want to be fed and stimulated by the message and to be excited about our God. And I think that's been missing. I think that the church has gotten so far from what the early church was. And I think that um, the modern day Western church is really good and not all churches, but the overall arching church is really good at breeding little saviors who want projects to fix and people to serve. And I don't think serving's wrong, but I think that at least in my almost 28 years of being in throughout different churches, there is a pattern of serve basically until you break your back a little bit. And everybody in my own personal experience, not coming from a place of bitterness or resentment or anything like there is a sense of like, I think that you can be really tender and like really love the Lord, but also also at the same time have very strong opinions. And um, there is a sense of like this feeling of, Oh, I'm a Christian. I need to save everybody. I need to like do all this stuff and I need to serve. And I, and I'm not here to receive. I just need to serve. And actually I think that like, we have totally missed it as a church, the first commandment, like entirely, like the first commandment is to love God. And so that's to receive, that's to sit and go to church and not serve. And that's okay. And it's not that you don't eventually serve or you don't give, like, that's not at all. It's not one or the other. But I think that as a church, we've just produced in this American culture, just work, 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 and don't care about yourself and just work and serve and give grace and all these things. And it's like, I actually think that, and I can't go into the theology entirely behind why I believe that. I think it's entirely twisted. And I think that our first commandment is to just love God, period. And that's all you need. Like you don't, I mean, like obviously you need other commands, but like from there, everything else flows. Right. From there, you're going to want to serve and you're going to want to give and you're going to want to do things for people. But to think that people can just come in and be little work slaves is just you're going to have a burnout rate as a church. And no wonder so many people have left. No wonder no one wants to. I mean, like there was a time there after IHOP where even before scandal broke out, I didn't go to church for like two years. Like I didn't have a church home. I had community. I had friends. So I didn't like fall off. Like I still pursued Jesus, but I didn't Mm -hmm. go to church because I actually like. I didn't want to do the whole like 
lackluster. I'll just come and serve and come to church on Sunday and like feel good about myself and go. Right. Like, okay, then what am I doing? And the church I go to now in Dallas, they actually, they, when you go to the membership class, they tell you not to serve for the first three to six months. They tell you just to come and receive, which I actually was like, they were like, just come and receive. Like, don't worry about serving yet. Like when you're called to serve, like listen to the Lord, you'll serve and you'll fill, you know, the gaps that we have here. But like, you just need like to come and receive. And yeah, because it's a natural response for the love that you have. Yeah, and I and also it's, think, and you it's know, necessary for yeah, sure. It's right. it's not like you don't throw the baby out the bathwater. Like you you need it. Mm-hmm. I just think that we've just become so work driven as a Western culture and in Christianity that we've just missed it. And I speak that yeah, because I've been in those situations. Right. So I feel like I have the authority to say that rather than well, and I, and, not. And you know, I do as well. Because when I think about your childhood and the work that I did for the churches that we were involved in, and it was never ending. And and to be honest, I can't say that it was anything but the enemy and not necessarily the church's fault that kind of there was this shame paradigm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Because it was like, no matter what, I was never doing enough, right? I mean, I, I was schlepping meals into town on Wednesday nights to make sure that there were two of us cooking to make sure that there were meals on Wednesday nights. And then the same when we were at a different church and I served on the board and, and our family was responsible for feeding 150 volunteers for the week, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And um, it was so, it was so much. I mean, and, and it wasn't, and yet I never felt content enough. I never felt like that I was doing enough. Yeah, And I just feel like sometimes when I meet with my, little Bible study group of women that we kind of even does have designated ourselves like our own little home church. Mm-hmm. There's no music. There's no obligation. There's just sitting and talking about Jesus yeah, and getting in the word and letting him love us. And there's something that's so special and holy and intimate about that, um, that yeah. just feels so good. And yet I know that there's a there's a point in a time where all of those other things need to happen because I, yeah. I'm thinking, well, what if you're a church worker and you're listening to this and you're thinking, but I work so hard. I need people to help me. And we 100%. need to bring I Yeah. But it just has always seemed to me like there were those who were the consumers and those that loved Christ that the, those believers, believers were always held to an accountability yeah, for those, like that people believe, who which is why you enter church. Serve. Yeah. Yeah, well, just why you why, why most of us um, will enter church now, and the message every single week, every single week, is for those mm-hmm. that are outside of the church, and and it's almost a rehash of this is what we believe every single week, and so for believers, it seems harsh, but we're sitting here thinking, yeah. but I need something too. I, I, I understand well, you know, you're only human, you know, right, right, yeah, and yeah. I think, I mean, part of the reason I didn't go to church anywhere for a couple years. Sorry, the babies. No, my door's locked. They're they got home. They're trying to come in. But I well, know so they're gonna walk through that door. So they're, hearing you talk, they're hearing you talk with Mimi and they're thinking, what? Is Mimi there? Yeah, you know. Um but no, I was gonna say the part of the reason I'd even go to church for a year and a half after I hopped because I was so burnt out. Like it was go, 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 run yourself dry. And I was beyond burnt out. And I remember there people would say, well, just go to the prayer room and you'll be filled. Like go, just go to the prayer room and and you'll encounter Jesus and you'll be filled. Cause there is that sense of like his presence does restore. And I just remember being like, no, I, I just need a nap. Like I have 15 hour days. Like I just, I just need a nap. And I remember it's actually what made me leave and not finish my senior year because I just, I wholeheartedly disagreed with the premise of run yourself dry, serve in the prayer room, do all these things, go to class, have your homework. And they kept adding more to our schedule every year. Like every year I would have more and more. And then by the time it was senior year, I was going to have 80 hour weeks between all the things And then I was told, don't work because in this season, you need to just focus on Jesus. And I said, well, that's great, but I provide for myself. So I'm going to, I'm going to (laughs) work. And it was just not, 
it was not conducive. And I just remember being so burnt out. And I, I left and I said, you know what? Like, I think I told one of my leaders, like, you tell me to honor my body by not sleeping around, but I'm not honoring my body at all because I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm not eating well. I'm not sleeping enough. And I'm running myself dry all in the name of the gospel. And they're like, well, yeah, it's just four years though. And I go, yeah, but Jesus didn't rush anywhere. So why do I have to rush? Like, why do I have to like, he was strategic in where he went and what he did, but there wasn't this constant like westernized hustle grind. Let's just get as much as we can within our day. And it's like, it just, it destroys you. And then you're left after a church going, I actually need to take a year and a half off going to church because I'm so burnt out. And that's not how it should be in any capacity. Like there needs to be more of a balance all around. And I don't know if it's like that in other cultures and other, I don't, maybe it's just like an American thing. Cause America is just very like hustle grind work. Um, well, I think we fall into that on a number of levels because I, that resonates with me and I'm not, I wasn't even at high hop, yeah. but I got involved with a group of people where, you know, we were authors and I, you just hear this. It's, it's just the state of anxiety all of the time. Like, hurry up and get your book published, hurry up and get the word out. You may not have another chance. You need to use every single moment of every day efficiently. And it's go, 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 go. And so that was a component. But then there was my own, you know, the way that that we're raised. And it, and yeah. I can take on all of these things. And before I knew it, I hit a brick wall. And I had to spend basically last year, because uh, I even used my COVID time wisely. <laughs> you know, yeah. I had to spend last year basically doing nothing. And I kept thinking, what is wrong with me? But I kept, I kept feeling like the Lord was saying, you need to just rest. You don't need to do anything else. And so I was planting myself on yeah. my couch in my room and I was reading and, and watching things and um, literally taking walks and, and doing nothing. I didn't even have the desire to write, which is my first love. Your body catches and I even put this your podcast body. off for a while, which I'm rallying back. Yeah, your rallying. body it totally catches up with you eventually yeah, but then you feel guilty I yeah. know but you just have to not like I think yeah, right. for me in this season I've been very very protective over my time and knowing like actually no I'm gonna say no to that because I need to go home I need to rest like it's not just like there's just things that you need to do to take care of yourself on a daily because eventually it catches up with you and you're not young and 27 mm-hmm. anymore like you know you like I've, I've had seasons of burnout and I'm still young. So it's like, you just, it, it'll hit you in the face sooner than you know it in any facet, whether it's working ministry, running yourself. I like what you had to say the other day, because, you know, coming from a dad, you and me, a husband that is a workaholic it's, it's been really hard in our household to calm down a minute and not feel guilty when you're, you know, just sitting around enjoying a cup of tea. And so I loved what you had to say when we were talking, I think it was yesterday where you were saying, and it's so true, that women's bodies aren't designed the way that men's bodies are. And we can't take all the stress. So you're right, we end up hitting a brick wall. And having a meltdown. Yeah, I mean, women's your women your stress hormone. Like when you are stressed, your body burns your minerals two times faster than a man's. So a man can actually handle a lot more stress than a woman can in terms of their minerals de- depleting. And as a woman, if you're stressed, it, it burns ten times faster, and it takes ten times longer to rebuild it than a man's. Like your body is wired so differently. And so to think that you can run at the same pace is completely inaccurate. And mm-hmm. to think that it, it's just wild to me that women think they can't, not that women can't be, you know, BAs and do all the things and like go for it and be incredible women. Mm-hmm. It's just knowing your body and knowing what you're able to do and not trying to be a man. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, like you said, we have to be mindful of the stress. Which is, you know, honestly, I want to get to another day. I know we're going to have to wrap up, but I, I did want to say, you know, that's one of the things I love about Emily is she's just so aware of everything that needs to happen emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And so, as you know, from hearing from her, she's extremely emotionally intelligent and she's also Mm -hmm. spiritually intelligent, but I also love, I mean, just the camaraderie that you and I have when it comes to things like, you know, holistic living, which is a whole 
different podcast episode, which we, we need to set and designate because yeah. I want to get to those things. Like Kelsey loves it when I visit because Emily and I are all about. She has to go with one of me and then you come and then she has two of me. Yeah. Because and it, it's like, it's pretty hilarious. That, or there's this and that. There is yeah. nothing. I, I want to use your vibration plate. I never got to using your no, red light therapy when I was there's there. There's nothing like literally getting home doing a castor oil liver pack. Okay. You just, you, you, you wash your face, do all the things. And then you get on your lymphatic machine and then you take all your supplements and then you sit in your red light for a good hour. I feel like a new woman. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, it's just amazing. And that's just like, not even all the holistic, like, that's just like, I feel like I'm a baby when it comes. I listen to some other like holistic people who do like so many more things, but, um, my coworkers make fun of me all the time. I'm like, but I, well, I know. Well, you and I worked together for a short time, and those coworkers are still talking about you. And I'll, I'll, you know, at work I'll say something. Well, this is what Emily said, and they'll laugh. Well, of course. Yeah. Or, um, you know, just when Dad yeah. was, yeah, and I was offering Dad my cod liver oil the other day and some mushroom tea, and he just looked at me like, oh my gosh, really? But there were. I will just say in, in preface to what we need to do at some point is another episode on this is it is so good to know that the Lord has provided for us in this way. And so even like with grounding, it's so important. I did this earlier and it was like 35 degrees and my toes were cold, but I went out and I stood in the ground bare on the grass, which is hardly existent right now because of all the snow. But I stood there. For a minute, it's so helpful because there is, it's, if you think of the earth as a magnet or um, the, you get electrons and energy Mm -hmm. from the earth that are actually anti-inflammatory and helpful and do so much. And I mean, there's a laundry list. Body scans of people before grounding and after, and you can see how they, like you're, you, there was all this red and yellow, and then it goes to like blue and green and, and whatnot. It's like it, there's, it, I, mm-hmm. my coworkers make fun of me hardcore for that. I'll tell people when they're upset, I'm like, you just need to go touch some grass and just like settle down a little bit. Seriously. They get so mad, but I'm like, it's true. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't it need is to do true. No, you do. You need to just like go walk on some grass and get some sun and you'll, you'll feel better in like two seconds. You'll, you won't be triggered anymore. It's real. Yeah. That was one of my things on my list, the vitamin D. Well, and I had written down earlier, the earth is a giant battery, not a magnet. And it's because it yeah. absorbs free electrons that act like antioxidants in the body. And so I've been feeling like I've been doing, I was doing all these things like, okay, so my body is aching. Why is it aching? I'm on my feet a lot. I move around a lot, but it seems like whether I sit or stand or lay or whatever, my body is aching. So what gives? Okay. So, you know, reducing significantly, if not eliminating altogether, it's really impossible, you know, seed oils and doing all the things, right? Like, what do I need? And I was just talking to God one day and he said, go stand outside for a minute. And honestly, I didn't have a lot of time. So it was literally a minute, maybe three. And immediately, immediately, I started to feel better. And and so people will say, oh, that's psychosomatic or whatever. But it, no. I'm telling you, it works. And But if you get online and you start to do a little bit of searching, there are those people that would say, oh, no, you know, that that's too new age. And grounding really is a heart it's posture in the world. very nervous to go into it. But it's real. And actually, a lot of, there's real. a lot of mm-hmm. science that backs it. Not even right. secular science backs it. Yeah. And just right. all the things that you can do and, and ways to protect yourself from like EMFs and, and nature plays a lot in that. And I think you can, you don't have to be like so weird to the point where you're like, like, so like I, I think people just think it's weird, but you can be normal and be crunchy. And be you can. That. And so, and a part of that is the vibration. So I'm having Missy on mm-hmm. uh, this week as well our friend Missy to talk about vibrations. And I'm so excited to talk about vibrations because that that's another thing I've experienced is the yeah. wholeness of, yeah. The healing that comes through certain frequencies. Yeah. People are going to definitely think we're. No, it's okay. You know, but we're here to help. That's the thing. We're here to help. And so well, Just, it was lovely talk, lovely, lovely, lovely talking with you today, Emily, anything yeah. else you want to add? No, sorry, we bounced around a lot, but yeah, we always do. But that's what are you going to title this now? How are you going to title it? I feel like we went into so many different things. I don't know. What should I title it? I think we need to do another one on living restoratively. 
We need to talk about all the things like, oh my gosh, when I was down in Dallas, she took me to this great little store. What's the name of the store again? It's in Rockwell. It's just, it's just called Get Healthy. And it Get just healthy. basically has all these different, like it has supplements and stuff in it. Actually, you know what's really cool is they have a thing in the back where you can go and you can get like different treatments. So when I like will feel stuffier and inflamed in my sinuses, I go and I get ozone blown in my ears, which a lot of modern day scientists are actually very anti-ozone, but it's actually really good for you. And it just puts oxygen right in your sinuses and it just, it helps. And there's just all these different types of treatments you can do there where you can go and just get like things done. And then they have like food and they have supplements and they have like all these different things that are all like very, very clean and healthy. I love that. I I don't go there because I know I spend too much money. I know I did too, but I I found some great stuff. I had some mixed nuts that were sweetened Mm -hmm. with maple syrup and I bought some colostrum, which I offered dad in his coffee. And colostrum is so good for your gut lining. He had no words. It. No, it's, I, it's actually, he had no response for me. So it's so good. It's it's so good for your gut lining and your overall gut health. Which, if your gut isn't in check, then you should check it because it's it affects the rest of your body. Yeah. See. So good. Just so many wonderful topics to explore. I wish, like I was just talking to your sister, Rachel, the other day, we, we hung out and, you know, did some boutique baby shopping and all of that on Saturday here in KC. And she was telling me all about her holistic chiropractor and all of the things that she's doing to ensure a healthy pregnancy and uh, the ease with which she anticipates delivery to happen. And I think, you know what, I, I thought that I had a pretty easy time of it. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, I was pregnant. I did this six times. So, I mean, obviously I, we have eight kids and six are biological, but I, I just had a great time being pregnant, but I think how much more would it be if you had it would if look even more now, knowing what I know now, because I knew nothing then, nothing other than, okay, I worked out all the time and I ate right. And I made sure I took my supplements, Yeah, but nowadays there's so much available to there's people. So and much I'm excited. I'm excited that the narrative is changing and it's part of, okay, the exposure, right? Like it's so way we, more mainstream now, like to yeah. just be really crunchy with that kind of stuff. I feel like I'm a lot right now with my holistic things, but when I'm pregnant, it's probably going to be next level <laughs> one day. So I can understand Rachel. I'm like, Oh man, it's going to be, yeah. I yeah, it's like going to be good. I'm going to shock our family quite a bit with some of the decisions. I Emily, make. I don't, I don't think there's anything that you can do that would shock anybody at this point. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really fun to travel with the group. Um, and to spend time with the girls together because literally, I mean, so opposite. they're a pretty funny bunch. And I honestly, I'm, I'm laughing the whole time. We're giggling the whole time because it's just the, the lunacy, it, but it's all good. You know, it's, it's like truth lunacy. So why not? Of like a whole like holistic. I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expert. I just, there's a lot of people I listen to who are experts that I've just gleaned a lot of information from. So I think maybe if we do one, we could like include a lot of links on, on people who are actually like certified and know what they're talking about, but that have a lot more information, which is good. That is so cool. And then, you know what else? Another gal that's coming on the podcast, I don't have her name in front of me. Her name's Margaret Mm -hmm. and she's a classical pianist. And she talks about frequencies and the throne room of David and some of the things that we've gotten away from that are so beneficial. And that's, that's the point, I guess, in all of this, whether it's health and nutrition or music or, or even like we've talked about the church, the exposure that's happening in this day and age to promote wellness all around spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally is so encouraging. And I'm just, I'm excited. It's a, it's a good time to be alive and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that, that all of this is being made known to us because I think on so many different levels for so long, we've been hoodwinked, whether it's by pharmaceutical companies or the um, the FDA, the various agencies Mm -hmm. of government that have been supposedly put in charge to help us. My whole, all of our worldviews have changed because we used to think these people actually meant well for us. And now come to find out, We can't believe anything that anybody tells us anymore. There are things that I'm even learning about 
some of the parameters that have been set on the faith mm-hmm. yeah. to say nothing for food and, you know, well-being. So it's a good time. We'll just keep, we'll just keep standing for truth. And like you said, really praying for discernment and more and more will be given to us. Thanks for being on my show, Emily. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know how long we went, but. Oh, I'm sure oh. we're fine. You know, yeah. I always laugh because you used to tease when years ago, even when you were younger, I'm Emily, like, and subscribe to my channel. I don't have a channel, but yeah, I can subscribe. I know you did. And now I'm saying that. Yeah. Please like and subscribe to my channel. I would have totally done a YouTube channel back in the day. And you said, no, you said I was too young. I could have been an influencer by now. I know. And you were really, and you are really funny. Well, and the thing is, remember how you used to beg me, was it you or was it Rachel? Because we had eight kids here and we lived on a farm and yeah, you wanted to do a reality show. And I remember we'd check in with some of those reality shows. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they're so boring. I'm sorry to say, because life is way more exciting. But maybe, yeah. We wouldn't even have to have been scripted. It was pretty much, it was all chaos all of the time. Yeah, I mean, they probably would have. Some of that stuff isn't really reality. It's it is scripted, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have just died of mortification, but that's another story. Anyway, it's okay, all, all well, it's all good. Thanks for tuning in with us today. The rest of you, for those of uh, you that have made it all the way through with you, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope that you have a all the way through. <laughs> I hope you have a blessed day. I I hope that um, you know we're going to be praying for your discernment. That's what we're going to do. I pray that everyone who tuned in today will have greater discernment and greater encouragement and will be filled to overflowing, like the verses say, with abundant joy in the Lord. Until next time, thanks for joining us on Color Speak. I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.